That dude is cursed. Who's cursed? Cody Parkey. He has to be. Why? That's his fifth time this year hitting the post. Maybe it just fucking sucks. Hitting the post, like, it's not even missing. It's just unlucky. Is it unlucky? Or does he suck? Let's he just, sucks. We're going straight into the hot takes here, apparently. Someone's been drinking. Drink no, I did. Well, oh, no, that is. I was going to say, no, I just started drinking, but that's not true. I had a couple of drinks at brunch. Yeah, that brunch you were boasting about. What was that? Oh, my God. It's a pork belly hash. So it's pork belly, crispy pork belly, um, cooked Brussels sprouts. There were some heirloom tomatoes in there. It's a honey Dijon glaze that's over them. There's a fried egg on it. Um, there's crispy potatoes in there. Like, it's, man, dude, it's ridiculous. Heirloom potatoes? What is, are heirloom tomatoes? What is that? Tomato heirloom tomatoes like they're like the little like the little Roma tomato type thing little cherry tomatoes. Oh yeah, that's, yeah I was gonna say we call them cherry tomatoes. Yeah. Speaking of who doesn't, have, <laughs> oh, no, can't do it. Ruined it. No, say it, say it. I was say gonna say, it. speaking of who has cherry tomatoes, Cody Parkey. Wow, wow. <laughs> hey. Welcome to what is this? Hot take route. What is this? This podcast. Interceptable. That's a terrible name. Welcome we to Hot Take Route. I'm Zach Harper. It's Wild Card Wildcat Weekend. Uh, I'm I'm your host, Kian Fahi. It's his little love child here. Is this our love child? Is this podcast our love child? It's as ugly as our love child would be, so that probably is true. Yeah. I don't know. Our love child would have great hair though. Probably. Wait, you're the mom? Yeah, why not? I'm not sure why you're signing up for the moms right away, but that doesn't sound like yeah, a better set of this deal. As long as he gets his mom's beard, we'll be doing all right. I don't, so I don't, think, I don't, I don't think there's a better side of this deal if we have a child. <laughs> the poor child is getting the worst part of it. Right, exactly. Uh, man, what a weekend of footballing. Uh, should we just jump? Are we jumping? Are we doing the games? We I didn't actually. I have no idea what we're supposed to do here. Are we doing game like games before? Or are we doing the matchups next week? No, let's let's talk about. I I sent you a bunch of stuff. Uh, I can't oh, you did send me stuff. Uh, I got it right uh, here. I, we I, I just took down notes while we're going through the game. We'll go through these games. Let me open up the talking points with Colts Texans. Our first game of the weekend opening drive. You saw an Andrew Luck that was dialed in, Kean. Yeah, you could tell straight away, like, he, like, Locke is generally really, really good, but over the early stages of the season, we were talking about how he was a little bit inconsistent and how his deep ball wasn't there, but you could see he was back to being that guy who was there prior to the injury, that MVP caliber thing. Like, I think people, we've forgotten about Locke at this point. Like, we have Patrick Mahomes, we have Deshaun Watson, I guess, because he's had all these big touchdowns, he gets a lot of attention, but we've forgotten that Andrew Locke, prior to getting injured, was taking that step onto... Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees level. He wasn't just another good quarterback in the league. He was this star. And that's what the Texans got. They got a guy who just wasn't missing throws. The only kind of... Uh, like, early early in the game, you kind of see... The, the beauty of Andrew Luck is he functions inside the structure and outside the structure seamlessly. And early in the game, the first two third downs stood out because the first one, he hits Hilton on a deep car route. It's a tight coverage, puts the ball perfectly on his chest, allows Hilton to pick it away from the defender. The second one, he breaks breaks a pocket and hits Hilton on a deeper crossing route, and Hilton's open again outside the structure because Luck has bought time. 
And he follows that up with a 38-yard throw to Hilton that is right down the centre of the field. And this is your kind of first Frank Reich impact where he, he moves him inside, got a matchup against a linebacker. A linebacker running with T.O.A. Hilton is obviously never going to work. And Luck recognised the coverage, so he put the ball in the perfect spot away from the two safeties so they couldn't cover for the linebacker. And just from that opening drive, like one of the things I'm always looking at early in a game is not if you move the ball, not if you score, if how easy is it for you to score? How much resistance do they put up? On that drive, you could see straight away the Colts were just not going to be stopped by this team. They were going to be stopped by themselves, and that's kind of what happened over the course of the game. Uh, I felt like the I felt like the Texans settled down enough to where they could make it a game, and then they just shit themselves constantly. Like it, it was like they like they were overwhelmed by the start of the game. Colts jump all over them, and then they settle it. They get things in line, and then they just couldn't make plays. Yeah, it's like the thing about that is you have to look at that offense and kind of. I when when Deshaun Watson's at his peak, we don't talk enough about how much of an impact Will Fuller has. Obviously, Andrew Hopkins is there, so we focus on him. But when Deshaun Watson yeah. is at this valley or whatever, I've always disliked valley being the opposite of peak. Peak is a nice short word. Valley sounds ridiculous. But when you talk about him in this kind of valley when he's struggling, crevasse. When he's in the crevasse, I think that's supposed to be a crevice. You went to like one fancy little restaurant. No, you're speaking French. Um, Golf. Uh, first of all, buddy, I took four years of honors French. Thank you very much. So I can't really speak anymore. But I can go. read a little bit. I can read some of it. <laughs> That's useful. You can read it on the menu, basically. In other words, I en think you're just, seeing, you're just seeing the words that we use, that we use in the English language, the French. Words. You're a real. You're a real en couleur. How about that? You're really look awesome. that one up. Um, no, but when you take Will Fuller out of that offense, it changes everything up. They don't have those open deep shots. Although, like, you're, you're trying to do a guy like Vincent Smith, and it has to be mentioned that Vincent Smith was wide open early in the game. Off of a well-designed play fake from Shotgun, where he had one fake to, uh, I think it was wide receiver coming back, one fake to his running back, and then had Smith wide open down the right seam, completely missed the throw, threw it in behind and threw it inside. It was there for the defender rather than for the receiver. And that's a show Watson should, should make. And he also had another issue later in the game where he had Ryan Griffin running wide open across the middle of the field off of another play fake, overthrew him so Watson was missing throws he normally makes but the other thing about this was the Colts just had the right play calling they knew exactly what to do with him you with young quarterbacks they're generally not patient they generally want to get the ball out they're getting a little bit of panic and we kind of forget that Watson's still relatively young but he's he's not a patient quarterback he's not someone who's going to stay in the pocket and hold the ball he's either going to break the design of the player get it out early and to stop that you want to have a three-man rush so you have the extra defender in coverage. You can help on Hopkins. You can have guys lingering out of out of the quarterback's eyes. And that's how they intercepted him at the start of the game. He threw the ball straight to a linebacker because he anticipated it was one-on-one. -on -one, and it was actually one or two-on. There was two underneath defenders in a cover two, I think it was. So one could jump in and catch the ball from, the, from outside of his line of vision. So Watson was just a bit of a complete mess. He wasn't helped because he didn't have Fuller. It was like it was a less defined reads for him. It was a bit more of an ambiguous, more of a straight drop back offense, and he just couldn't do that. At least he couldn't keep pace with luck. And one of the quotes that came out of this game afterwards that really kind of annoyed me was Bill O'Brien said, "Oh, we went down fourteen nil on their first two drives or early in the game, whatever it was." Obviously, that completely changes your game plan. Why is that completely changing your game plan? What was your why game plan? You still, you have so much game left. Why would why would that yeah. change? Like, I get maybe you maybe you want to establish the run more, but you have so much time to establish. Like, if you go down fourteen nothing and you still stick with the game plan, and you, and it, part of that is establishing the run, which is going to eat clock and all that, and you go down and score, you're now down a score. Like, I don't get why that. Like, that's such a dumb philosophy to me. Like, the only way that makes sense is if your game plan was to score thirteen or fewer points. Like, because you've still got four quarters. 
And in the right, second, if you thought this was going to be a Tennessee Titans like nine six game or something like that, I mean, right? We we've got some relative Tennessee Titans news to talk about. With Mike Malarkey apparently getting the job in Minnesota. We'll come back to that though. Um, with five minutes left in the second quarter, they were already in uh, a completely abandoned run, two minute hurry up offense, and it got to the, they did move the ball, so you can't blame them too much. But Lamar Miller wasn't a factor at all. They got to the end. Watson couldn't make a final throw, and not again against a three man rush where they dropped a they should they showed a four man rush. They had uh, Watson in a five-wide five, five wide receiver set alone in the backfield. That's generally a quarterback draw situation. So you're going to run the draw if they only have a four-man rush and they don't have linebackers in. But very smartly from the Colts and smart from the defensive coordinator as a head coach candidate in the different places, he had his linebackers crouch in a little bit. So that means they were there if the draw was going to happen and that put them off the audible to the draw. But then when the ball snaps... They show the four-man rush, drop one guy, drop Marcus Hunt into the passing lane, only rush three. Again, Watson has to hold the ball, won't do it, forces the slant, misses the throw. So as soon as they've abandoned the run halfway through the second quarter, there's a more stress on Watson to be kind of more efficient, to be more perfect with his decisions, with his placement, with the way he's diagnosing the coverages, and he just wasn't able to do that. But the other thing I want to just, before we move past the Bill O'Brien part, in the third quarter, they came out and they went back to running the ball. So if you've abandoned the run midway through the second quarter, how come you're coming back in the third right. quarter and running your normal offense again? It doesn't make any sense. Right. I just I don't think he's a very good coach. I I didn't for a long time. He he won me over last year because of the play action designs and because of that work with Will Fuller and the way he set Watson up perfectly, which is kind of annoying to me because when he has Tom Savage on the field, he just drops you straight back normally. He doesn't do right. anything uh, creative. He doesn't do anything good to help the quarterback. He just does these things that stress the quarterback. So well, that's what I was going to say. Is like, shouldn't you then do more creative stuff to help someone yeah. like Tom Savage? Like, when they, when, couldn't you, in theory, if you believe in Deshaun Watson, which I think I do more than you do, even after this horrible game, but if you believe in, in Deshaun Watson, you would feel comfortable that he can freelance in ways that Tom Savage can't, so you don't need to be as creative with him, in theory. Like, you can still do it. You can still keep the same game plan relatively, but believe that his athleticism is going to break out his his ability to you know kind of make moves on the fly is going to break out at certain points to give you advantages whereas with savage he sucks so you have to like <laughs> give him every advantage possible this isn't cody kessler coming in like that's tom savage like you need to give him advantages i love that we can get shots at tom savage in a podcast that has nothing to do with tom savage at all so unnecessary <laughs> but so unnecessary. The, the implication of what he's doing is that he thinks watson is less of a passer than tom savage he thinks that Watson is less of a quarterback, a traditional quarterback with air quotes or whatever around it, than Tom Savage, which is a major, major red flag, because if you're evaluating that way, that's a problem. And I didn't like Watson coming out of college, so I can't criticize him too much on this, but at the time, the story was that Bill O'Brien did not want Deshaun Watson. So immediately yeah. after Deshaun Watson had a couple of good games, Bill O'Brien leaked to the media straight away, oh, I actually always loved Deshaun Watson, and I always wanted Deshaun Watson. He did the exact opposite with Brock Osweiler, by the way. Apparently yeah. loved Brock Osweiler when he was bringing him to Houston, and then hated him later and said, oh, I never wanted him, he was forced on me. So Bill O'Brien, like, you can't really argue that he's got bad results in Houston, but it does not feel like he's a yeah, net positive. Like, I, yeah, I don't think he's a horrendous coach. I just don't think he's yeah, that good. He might be. He might, he might just got lucky with good talent. Like, cause that, I mean, it's possible he's Pete Carroll bad. I don't know, but... Well, like, the other thing is, defensively, they've got Watt, and it, it does change a lot. Like, sure. And they've got Clowney, who hasn't lived up to expectations, but is still a freakish player. Like, So it, it changes a lot, and actually a big thing, a takeaway from this game, was that Romeo Cornell just got completely outcoached by Frank Reich. And that's not unusual. People get outcoached, outcoached by Frank Reich, but it was bad. It was really, really bad. Like, literally... 
the only time the Colts were stopping themselves is when they were dropping passes. Can I say something? Doesn't matter what I say. This scotch is delicious right now. I just thought you should know that. You've got some kind of clear scotch there in your cup. It's, I got it's, the yeah, old-fashioned it's, stuff. It's called water. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Never heard of it. Um, and also, one more thing on this is this game could have been a lot worse, right? Like the Colts, Colts dropped some opportunities there to make it a, just a real shit show. Look, the the one like there was a couple of plays that were important plays, but like the one big play that was there was the Eric Ebron touchdown. But it didn't really matter. And the other thing is, it was a massive hit on Ebron, so you can't blame him that man that much. They scored immediately after, so it didn't actually have any impact. But if you're projecting forward to a game in Kansas City, that is now uh, like, are you going to be able to keep pace with the Kansas City Chiefs offense if you are dropping passes? And your defense is not going to contain them the way you did the Houston Texans. Because if you go to Patrick Mahomes and you say, here, here's a three-man rush over and over and over again, Patrick Mahomes is going to go, thanks, I'm going to throw the ball and pick your defense apart. I don't care what coverages you're playing. I'll figure it all out. So, Cowboys beat the Seahawks. What was it, 24-22? Pete Carroll losing another big game. Shocked. <laughs> Terrible coach. Tried to tell you. There are a couple of things I just tried to tell you recently. One, them Chargers. Hey, two, we got, hey, don't no spoilers. On, no spoilers. On, no spoilers. On. Two, two, this Eagles team. Whew. And three, Pete Carroll, whole bunch of garbage. I are think you... I did pick them, but. <laughs> Come on. You didn't pick them, actually. But I said Wait, before did you? that. No, you did. Sorry, you did. No, I'm pretty sure I did. Because my other argument was Jason Garrett. Big garbage. So has Jason Garrett gone up in your estimation? No, he's no he. A bad coach beats a bad coach. That's not a that's not an accomplishment. I feel like I need to race through this podcast before that Scotch starts taking a stronger hit and the takes just become boiling. Or we need to take it slower. <laughs> I still feel like this is a better podcast already than the one we did last week. So it's a win-win. Well, it's, win <laughs> it's early. Let's see what we can do. Uh, this Cowboys wide receiver situation is real bad heading into next week. And like. As someone who's had major ugly injuries in his life, I kind of feel, I don't feel as bad talking about them. But I'm glad that football players wear those really long things that cover up all their body because I don't want to see Adam pants. Adam. No, but you know the way it's it's extended. Is, is it? I don't know what it is. Is it socks that's going on? Pads. It covers the ankle. Socks. They are socks extended socks, are they? I'm not sure if they're socks apart. Or pants. they could be tights. They could be like compression. Yeah, it doesn't they could matter. be compression pants. But I'm so glad that all of that was covered. Well, now I've got to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> yeah, but you'll have a hard time defining it because you'll be arguing yeah. that socks or pants or soup or a sandwich. Um, they, Alan Hearn's injury was horrendous. You know, pants kind of do make it a leg burrito if you want to think about it that way. Were you one of those kids that when someone like bought you like a really expensive, really fancy toy at Christmas and they gave it to you and you just went and went, oh, that's a great toy and then played with the box for six days? No. I feel like you're one of those no, kids who just had to be on his own and his own imagination, just having his own little phone all the time. No. No, I'm not, a, I'm not an only child. <laughs> Is there only, only children like that? I bet Pete Carroll's an only child. <laughs> Jesus. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Is that a, that's an insult now? I don't know. I don't know. I just turned it into an insult, but it's really quite innocuous. <laughs> Look, if um 
if the Cowboys were like a normal well-coached team I would say that these wide receiver injuries handcuff their offense and force them to uh, focus on these tight ends even though Blake Jarwin has been playing pretty well lately and also force them to have this run, kind of rudimentary running the ball a little bit too much offense even though I did want them to focus on Ezekiel Elliott but so uh, Hearns goes out he's done for the game Cole Beasley was playing hard he obviously wasn't that good he wasn't a, as, as big of a workload as he normally has at least but it did feel like that, that was just kind of the Cowboys coaching staff being the Cowboys coaching staff. And one of the things that bothered me was the Cowboys or the Seahawks outside cornerback Trey Flowers got banged up early in the game too. He played, he came back onto the field, but this, this, uh, the Cowboys had Amari Cooper on him. And if you have Amari Cooper on a cornerback who has a dodgy ankle or who isn't 100% or whatever, you should probably try and test that or you should at least try and leverage it to create plays elsewhere. And that wasn't what they did. They focused on Michael Gallup working against Shaq Griffin. Shaq Griffin is the Seahawks' best cornerback. Michael Gallup, promising rookie, still developing. Not really uh, a a matchup you want. And outside of the touchdown throw, which was a phenomenal throw from Prescott, and he has, when he gets that right, it's perfect. He's one of the best people in the league at throwing it when he gets that right. His percentage is fine. It's it's about average. People say he can throw it, but the average is about, the average in deep sideline throws is about what? 35-40% I think so it's not a high number anyway so when you see someone miss two and hit one that's about normal but that, outside of that throw they kind of forced the ball a little bit to gallop it felt like and they made things harder for themselves which is a very Cowboys thing to do um, yeah I do wonder now that the I mean we can talk about this later but them going into LA next week with the Rams secondary looking a lot healthier and more competent um, I do wonder I wonder how they counteract that. Maybe that's just where you run all over them. I don't know. Um, in terms of the uh, the Seahawks, Doug Baldwin, another you know receiver on the other side, gave gave some, t- took some, wasn't quite what you needed him to be. Yeah, well, I thought Cooper was really good. Cooper was involved as much as you expect him to be. That 36-yard play was phenomenal, beautiful design, but it was also they spread the offense out in the fourth quarter when they were playing from behind. They needed to chase the lead. Again, going back to like we were talking about Bill O'Brien, suddenly, oh, we need to score points. Let's chase the lead. Let's spread out and do what we should do all the time. It's kind of the opposite of what Bill O'Brien was doing, but it's the same coaching malpractice of what you're doing. But Cooper was involved as much as he should have been. Doug Baldwin probably should have been involved a little bit more, although I'm not going to kill Brian Chottenham or the way other people are. We'll get into that in a little bit. The the two players of Doug Baldwin that really stood out, like you have to just talk about these just because of just how impressive the first one was. On 4 and 6, Randy Gregory destroys Dwayne Brown at left tackle. He's on Russell Wilson instantly, and Wilson makes an outstanding throw. He's turning sideways, he's kind of jumping in the air a little bit, and he's throwing the ball back across his body, and he's throwing it deep down the left sideline. That ball should sail out of bounds, or it should be intercepted. It doesn't. It arrives in a perfect spot. But even though it arrives in a perfect spot, it's still a really, really difficult catch. Because Baldwin's covered well, running to the sideline, running at speed, and he's got to catch the ball, drag both toes, and keep stay in bounds, and maintain control of the ball as he's falling out of bounds. Unbelievable play. But he also had one of the biggest negative plays for the Seahawks. Very, very similar play to Michael Gallup's touchdown. Troll was phenomenal again, outside, uh, just on the one-yard line as they were going... Crossing the pile on the ball arrived. I think it was Awuzie who was the cornerback. Great coverage. Awuzie had pressed to his body. had run with him down the sideline. Stayed tight to Baldwin, which is a very difficult thing to do because he's actually a much better deep uh, passer, or sorry, a deep route runner than people realise. And because Awuzie is on top of him, chest to chest, Baldwin has to push off. And he's pushing him off as the ball is arriving. So he doesn't get the timing right. He pushes him off. The cornerback grabs his hand, as they're supposed to do, and he tries to push you off so you hold on to him so he can't catch the ball. And the ball goes right through his other hand in his chest because he can't corral it. It's a very, very difficult reception. But it's also Doug Baldwin. This is the kind of thing Doug Baldwin has done. He's got to make done. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
But that was a huge play for them because that touchdown would have obviously altered such a close game. For sure. And against the Dallas defense, which is so good. Like, you have to have those little, I don't even know if you want to call it a 50-50 ball, whatever you want to call it, like, you have to take every advantage or every opportunity against Dallas defense. Yeah, it was also, like, we really have to, like, I'm probably being a little bit harsh on Baldwin because the coverage was outstanding. And that's yeah, it was I, good. No, it was, but he's that he's the guy, yeah, right? Like, yeah. he's the guy who has to make that play. Yeah, and, and it's not, like, one of these situations where, like, one of the, the responses I got to, the first play I talked about with Watson, where he throws the ball up, Vincent Smith, works back and actually gets his hands on the ball but he's got his hands on the ball while the defender's beneath him while the defender has a better position on the ball and he's basically the best thing he can do is knock it away that wasn't a throw like this it wasn't a ball put up between two defenders it was placed perfectly along the sideline perfect depth perfect timing he probably should have caught it but yeah you mentioned that Cowboys defense like these two things kind of tie together so let's put these two together Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory are phenomenal and they were outstanding in that game and they are terrifying in terms of pass rushes coming off the edge, but they're also really versatile run defenders. The defensive line as a whole was just swallowing the Seahawks' offensive line, and it was letting the linebackers come through and find the football and all that. But he's got the microphone up to his mouth, so he's putting me off right now, and I'm about to start laughing. But he's going to probably say something negative about Pete Carroll. No, this has nothing to do with Pete Carroll. I was just going to say, and I want you to realize, I got a little scotch, and I'm, I've got a sultry tone to my voice. The Cowboys so we're making that baby. brought that. Hold on, the Cowboys brought that D. Oh, I need Scotch to laugh at that. Um, Do you think if it if this had been invented in your country, it'd be called Irish? You're talking about the Dallas Cowboys defense. We have whiskey. We don't need Scotch. That's not my, that wasn't my question. I don't care what your question was. Your question was stupid. Um, look, Schottenheimer's getting killed for his play calling, but... like, why, But why? Why is he getting killed for his play calling? Because this is the way the NFL is now. If you throw the ball, people think you're creative and you're trying and you're doing the right thing. If you run the ball, people think you're an idiot, an archaic idiot. But look... But that's how they move the ball. Next. Like Exactly. With, with, uh, with Carson, with... with um, uh, Mike Davis, uh, who's the other dude? My dude from San Diego State, Perry. Penny, Rashad Penny, Penny. Sorry, yeah. And JD McKissick is back as well. But look, the, you you go through their season. First two games of the season, they played the Broncos, they played the Bears, they lost both games. They put the game on Russell Wilson. They said throw the ball thirty five plus times, and he had twelve sacks, three interceptions, four fumbles. You got the positive plays with him, but you also got so many negative plays. He's not capable of being the guy who carries the whole offense, at least not in this situation behind that offensive line or whatever way you want to put it. I just don't think he's capable of doing it. He has to be part of a run-heavy offense. Maybe not that run-heavy, but that's the way they had won games all year, and it's also part of the reason I was skeptical about them as a playoff team. They threw the ball 27 times in, that, in this Cowboys game. They averaged 26.6 throws per game in the season. So that's exactly what they do all the time. Getting mad at Schottenheimer doesn't make sense. He's got the best out of what he has, and like, Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin, they're all obviously really good, but I just don't think Wilson is consistent enough to be someone you can ask to throw the ball 35, 40 times and expect to get positive results that outweigh all the negatives that are going to come with it. And then uh, what about Dak Prescott with the running game? Now this thing, like, so this is kind of frustrating to me because they don't do it often. Again, same thing with the, with the Cowboys coaching staff. They just... They do good things, but they just have all these negatives that swarm around it and wrap it up and then just take it all away. 
So you have the two obvious players. You probably, I probably don't even te- need to tell you which they are. The games you just sort of remember them. The draw play to convert the third and fourteen at the end, as well as the sweep play where Elliot lead, led was a lead block was a lead blocker, and Elliot scored a touchdown from short yardage right. after that. Elliot, by the way, on that play. If you get a chance to see that again, don't just watch Dak. Watch Elliot. He did this at Ohio State where he was a lead blocker all the time. I think, was it JT Barrett was his quarterback at Ohio State? Yeah, JT Barrett, yeah. So he did this all the time where he was the lead blocker. And he's wet. So he's actually, like, when you ask him to do that, it's not like asking most running backs who have no interest in doing it and who don't know how to do it. And he cut down KJ Wright perfectly. He put KJ Wright on his lap. Actually, flipped him over on his front. It's beautiful. But he, he uh, it, when you use Dak like that, it just helps make everyone hesitate on defense. It helps add layers to an offense that needs layers added to it. And it's something they've got to do more of. And they're just probably not going to do it unless they get into these situations where they're desperate. And then they do it. The other thing I do want to note on that was um, I didn't talk about Prescott's interception. That's a bad interception, man. That's an ugly, yeah. ugly interception. That ball arrives on his inside shoulder, inside when he's running a corner out and there's space wide open in front of him. Off of play action, so the defense had been disrupted. And even before that, that set up that play, he hit a throw to Amari Cooper that was beautifully designed. He had a play fake going right, everything was going right. Cooper, or Prescott's eyes stayed right on the routes on the right side and then snapped back instantly to Cooper at the perfect time. Threw the ball at the perfect time, wide receiver was wide open. It just a little bit low. It caused him to stumble. He stumbled into this, into that, into that catch the way you stumbled into this podcast introduction. It was not great, and it took away a touchdown. And that was kind of a, a significant play that didn't matter in the end, but it hurt them because that led to the interception and that led to the Seahawks hanging around longer than they should have. You didn't like that, did you? No. Now, while most teams would batten down the hatches, you know what the Chargers did? They bolted down the hatches as they destroyed the Baltimore Ravens. And by destroyed, I mean, you know, it was a one-possession game. But this Chargers defense, Bosa, Philly Rivers, Ingram, Gordon, whew. Gordon. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. <laughs> Do you start playing defense now? <laughs> well, I'm talking about everybody, both sides of the ball. By the way, I just like you, like, like to let you know, I can judge when I've done something well and done something poorly by you being speechless and annoyed at me. It's perfect. I just want to bask in no, that no, for no, a little no, while. You can, connect- you can, you can no, keep, the- talk, keep talking your chargers. I'm just going to stay here no, and bask no, no, in no, for no. a little the, the connection is not great, so when you stop talking, uh, I'm waiting <laughs> for it true. to catch up. That's not true. Listeners are no, always lying. I can see him perfectly clearly. It's not a good slate. Because I, I got that American... One, I look fucking good right now, okay? Hair's looking good. I haven't even showered yet today. Hair's looking good. Beard's on point. Yeah, trimmed it a little bit. I gotta get a haircut, though, before the live show on Saturday. You know what? Do you have any interest in doing this? I want to do, like, one of those infrared saunas where they just put you in a bag and you just sweat like crazy for an hour. What? Do you have any interest in doing that? I don't know what this is, but I... They put you in a they put you in a sleeping bag, like this, this tin... Not tinfoil, but like this, like... It's like basically what the boxers wear when they go jogging right before a weigh-in to cut all that weight. They put you in one of those bags, they zip you up, and you just lay there in like a sauna. You just sweat. You're supposed to get all the toxins out. It's like 50 bucks for an hour. This seems like a bad thing to do while drinking. Not a good thing to do while drinking. No, we do it... I'm talking about doing it like Friday or... I mean, it sounds like something you could talk me into doing. Just just wait till I'm drunk and you get me to do you get me to do anything. Do you want to pay fifty? Hold on, hold on. Do you want to pay fifty bucks to sweat? Yeah, that's a bad idea. What are you What are you talking about? <laughs> I can just like if I just start drinking long enough in the hot bar, I'll be sweating loads. It'll be the same thing. All right, uh, this is not my alcoholic uh, reputation. 
Chargers Ravens. Uh, John Harbaugh should have gone with Joe Flacco. That's what everyone was saying on Twitter. Oh, even though about that part. What I'm saying. Thank God oh, you added that I, last part. Why would I want them to go with Joe Flacco? Comedic I mean, reasons. I didn't want the Chargers to win because I wanted to be right. But uh, no, why would you go? Why would you go with Flacco there? Like he, he's not good anymore. Was he ever? It's questionable whether he was good in yeah in the, in the first place, but he's really bad now. <laughs> to be fair, like the start of this game was ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it was. <laughs> I mean, it, it could it could have start. I mean, it couldn't have gone worse for Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, I I don't generally buy into this stuff that much, but because I'm, and it's not that I don't buy into it. It's just that I can't evaluate it because I'm not there. I'm not there, and I, I I don't think people in general can evaluate these things. But one of the Louisville beat beat reporters, Lamar Jackson obviously played at Louisville. One of the Louisville beat reporters said that um. This was a common theme for him. He would get way too hyped up when it was a big game at the start of the game. And that's kind of what it looked like. He like I only think one of the fumbles was actually his fault, but it was a really, really bad one where he's running around in circles in the pocket and there's no pressure on him. He drew all the pressure in on him. And part of the reason I've been so high on him this year is he doesn't do that. He does not do this panic stuff that Deshaun Watson does. That like raft of different quarterbacks crosses. I feel like I just picked on Deshaun Watson for no reason, but we were just talking about yeah, it, so that's really what we went to. But um he does not normally do that, and he was doing that, and that's how he lost the ball in his first fumble. He obviously recovered it and then threw the ball and missed the throw he should have made. The snap fumble was not on him. That was a bad snap, and I don't get why Tony Romo was blaming him. The ball is high, coming up really fast, out to his right. That's a difficult catch, man. That's a one-hander catch that he's done before, but it's not something you expect him to do. Kenneth Dixon's fumble was a phenomenal play by Melvin Ingram, and obviously nothing to do with Lamar Jackson. He had already got the ball. But that interception, man, that interception was terrible. That is a, like, they had problems with pressure coming through left guard all throughout that game. James Hurst got benched eventually mm. in the third quarter, and there was a little bit, there was a little bit of pressure there, but not enough that it should have altered yeah. the way he threw the ball. So, his, he's throwing a slant. It's an easy throw to Chris Moore. Just ball has to be in front of the receiver and has to be low. Again, it went high and behind, and it did so because he never put his left foot for, uh, left foot forward. He's throwing the ball left. You need to put your left foot forward to step into your throw. He didn't do it, and it was just an overreaction to pressure. And it was kind of the worst stage for all of well, this. Well, that's what because... I want to hold on. That's what I want to ask: is that do you think because the pressure in that game was so big? I'm just talking about like the pressure the defense put on because the the guard situation was so bad oh, that yeah. he just couldn't have been in a rhythm to make that throw, or is it just he screwed up the throw? Well, that was relatively early in the game, so he should have just made that throw. He's got mechanical issues that need to be sorted out. And that's not a bad thing, necessarily, because it doesn't mean he's innately bad at throwing the ball. It means there's specific was, that, was that the second? What drive was that? I think it was the second or third, I think. It was, yeah. it was definitely the first half, anyway, because I remember it being the first half. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's actually a good thing that he's got mechanical issues well it's not a good thing like but it's better to have mechanical issues and to be missing throws than to not have mechanical issues and to be missing throws because it is something you can actually fix and go and address and i think they will do that because based on how he's adjusted to the nfl and how good he's been with that coaching staff i think they will he's someone who will develop then again i also said mitch trubisky would and he did not so i have no idea what i'm talking about a lot of the time um yeah, pressure. So the left guard was all the constant problem. So you can, like, most teams are going to have one area, at least one area, where you're going to get consistent pressure from. But the level of pressure is a huge thing. James Hurst was just beaten badly over and over and over again. Melvin Ingram took over the third quarter. He had successive sacks to end one drive. And then he had uh, a play where he beat Ronnie Stanley around the edge. That scramble that Jackson had, it kind of looked like, oh, this was turning a little bit in their favor. He got them into yeah. the red zone. He broke away from, I think it was a, I'm sorry, he, he made a defense move by looking right, then came back to the left and ran away. That scramble was going to set them up perfectly, just kind of start this little comeback, start this little, little surge. 
and it was just Ingram. Ingram got right around Stanley. He got him off balance with a little shimmy at the start, then burrowed his way through his lower body and pushed his way into the pocket. And all Stanley could do was kind of tackle him from behind like a rugby player and take him out. And that negated that play. Then Justin Tucker misses the first field goal he's ever had in his playoff career. And, well, the first miss he's ever had, not the first field goal right. he's ever had. And he's kicked a lot of them. And it all just goes downhill from there. Uh, all we hear about is, oh, this running attack, this running attack of the Ravens. Ravens and running both start with R. There's a reason for that. Um, actually, no, I don't think people said that last part. But <laughs> all we hear about is this running attack, and obviously Lamar Jackson is a huge part of that, and the Chargers. Chargers' defense good. Chargers' mm-hmm. defense can shut down, and, and they shut down that running game. Derwin James, man. Derwin James is a... Is Derwin a James is a monster, yeah. So I wasn't sure. Like, So I thought... If you go back to the first matchup, Derwin James's impact was limited because Derwin James's value is like, hey, I can put you on Travis Kelsey. And if you play Travis Kelsey, he's going to look like a, a normal tight end. He's still probably going to be productive, but he's not going to look like that superhuman being that no one can stop. And then I can right. put Derwin James back in free safety and he's going to cover everything for me. And that's hugely valuable. And if you move a running back out wide, I can cover him with Derwin James too. I can cover anyone you want with Derwin James. But this team wants to run the ball. Who did the, who did the game? Who, who announced the game? Was it Romo? And- it was Romo and Nets. Yeah, um, I think Romo said that they were playing three safeties the entire game. Or most of the game, I don't know, mm-hmm. the entire game. No, 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 it wasn't most three. It wasn't three safeties. They were playing three safeties instead of their linebackers. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. They played seven defensive backs on 58 of their 59 plays today. Seven <sighs> defensive backs. It's just, look, it, it's not as ridiculous as it sounds because linebackers these days are just slightly bigger defensive backs that's the new age linebacker you have to be fast and move in space but this is what I was yeah. getting to Durban James I did not know where he was going to play today to maximise his value played linebacker and he was phenomenal and the reason yeah, it turns out they, was, just play, they just played him in the Ravens backfield yeah that, that too that's a smart idea they just lined him up at fullback basically and he just stacked right. it there and worked his way out um, the, the reason that worked is because the Ravens have destroyed teams by pulling him in different directions and using the speed of Dixon of Edwards of Lamar Jackson and when you put Derwin James in there and there are other defensive backs, all of a sudden you've got guys who can shoot these gaps. You've got guys who can play the space that they're going to try and create. But it also felt like Marnie Morningweg played into their game plan a little bit too much. At the end of the third quarter, Jackson had nine pass attempts and 21 runs. And the pass attempts weren't coming from spread out formations. They were like It was very reliant to the play fake working and it being originally looking like a run play. So and Morningweg got a lot wrong. Chargers got a lot right, and you've just got to say that the Chargers' quality on defense. Like, if you just put that team out on paper against the Patriots, yeah, the Patriots are playing next week, I think. Yeah, if you just put yeah. that team out on paper against the Patriots, they're very clearly a better team. But it's Belichick. <laughs> There's Patriots at home. That's going to make it difficult. They're traveling back and forth again. So, but from this game, phenomenal, outstanding. You, you could not. He's ready for Chargers Patriots, man. Well, he's an LA. Boogie he's an LA dog, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, basically. <laughs> he's got big ties to are both sure? teams. Because, are you sure? Because <laughs> he was born, he was born in Missouri, so he, you know the St. Louis Rams blood is in him. And then, uh, and then now they made it out to LA. He made it out to LA. He likes both <laughs> LA teams. He's looking for Chargers Rams. Is uh, that Rams blood what makes him so scared of brushes and getting swept? Yeah, but he's but he's he's not afraid of birds. Oh, so he's good at fighting he's Seahawks. Of, he's be, he he would have loved the Seahawks absolutely. <laughs> I love, um, I love the idea that Boogie like knows he's been supplanted to all these different places, taken away from Missouri to where was it? Sentinel. Was he ever? He wasn't in Sacramento, Utah. No, 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 no. Utah. So Utah, Missouri, born Missouri, shipped him to Salt Lake City. Now he's in LA. 
Yeah, he's a he's a proper millennial. So he's he's gone from being rural right. to being a loves, a, a loves avocado toast. Can't afford anything. He's a millennial. Avocado, avocado toast. Someone else, someone else is paying his health insurance. <laughs> that that power, geez, that, that the tone changed there. It was like, oh, I'm laughing. No, I gotta pay for this motherfucker. <laughs> uh, he's had better health insurance than I have the last three years until now. Thank God the athletic gives me good health insurance, but I didn't have any. He's a dog. He's got a lot less problems than you. Shit the face. In theory, hold on, but those dogs have a lot of medical problems. He hasn't been very lucky. Oh yeah, he they're like the uh, the dogs we created as a human humans, didn't we? Oh yeah, oh yeah, they didn't exist. We lab those guys. We're not, not good for this, this world. Labrador, like Labrador. We lab them like they were born in a lab. It's like Labrador is long for lab. All right. Uh... <laughs> Hold on a second. I want to like. I need to understand this. How is there not a gap between you saying a word? And the next connection coming straight away. It's like, like, your brain's not this fast with everything else. It's like this weird level of autism that only works this way. Hold on, hold on. My levels of autism are beyond, by the way. (laughs) I know, I'm this quick with everything. I just don't show it. (laughs) Not that quick. Flash flash the goods. You'll hang out with me this week, and you're going to see. What, are you going to be doing? Just running from left to right all over the place? Oh, yeah. Dante Hall out there. Remember Dante Hall? I do, but that's a little bit before my time. Josh Cribbs would have been my go-to there. Oh, Dante Hall is so much better than Josh yeah, Cribbs. Josh, you know, the other weird thing about Josh Get Cribbs... Get out of here, Bears Eagles! No, but the other weird thing about Josh Cribbs was he always looked fat and slow. He does look fat, And then he's right? running away yeah. from everyone. The dude for... Who's the who's the returner for, uh, for, San, or for San Diego? For the Chargers? Najee Davenport. That was like King or something. <laughs> Whoever the dude is... You don't know who Najee Davenport is? No, I'm not listening to you. I'm trying to think of it in it's my Desmond head. Desmond King. Desmond King, right. He looks fat. He doesn't look all that fast, but he was moving. Yeah, but Najee... pretty fast for a fat guy. He's a cornerback. He can't be that fast. Nah, they got fat cornerbacks. Do <laughs> they? That's pretty much the one place on the field where you can't be any little bit of fat. They got fatties up there. By the way, how do you not know who Najee Davenport is? I think you took a shit in the closet once. First of all, I know who Najee Davenport is. I was I was trying to think of King's name, so I wasn't paying attention to your dickish little joke there. Oh, I'm nice, really. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got something for this transition. <laughs> it's wait, let me get a little swig of the scotch here. Mmm, mmm. All right, here we go. God, that's tasty. Now let's talk about big. Nick Energy. <laughs> oh, this got to keep going. Why can't the Eagles just go away? You know, you know the phrase Big Dick Energy? That's what I was a play on that. Big Nick Energy. Nick Bowles. So here, here's my uh, perfect scenario, and I, I, I assume... This game was not good, but it the finish was fun. It was weird. This whole weekend was weird. It was like the games yeah, weren't good, that. but they were interesting. Here's my here's my um, my submission for what I want to happen here, and I'm I'm assuming you're going to be on board with it. So Nick Foles goes into New Orleans next week, where Carson Wentz got blown out, and Nick Foles blows up the Saints, and Nick Foles goes to the NFC Championship game, and Nick Foles beats whoever's in front of him. It doesn't matter who's in front of him; he's going to beat them because that's what Nick Foles does. He just wins NFC Championship games. Ask the Minnesota Vikings; they'll tell you all about it. 
And then it's the Super Bowl week. And wait, no, it's not Super Bowl week. There's two weeks until the Super Bowl. That's so there's a bye week. So guess who's back the first week? Carson Wentz. Guess what happens the week leading up? You've got to figure out which quarterback you're going to start. No, you don't. You start Nick Foles. No, no, no. The Eagles are tied to Carson Wentz. So they've got to start Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz comes in and he's starting the Super Bowl in the first half. And what happens? It's like Cap Rooney. Cap Rooney's losing the game at halftime. They've got to bring in Willie Beeman. But Nick, Nick Foles is steaming Willie Beeman? Yes. And Nick Foles is going to win it. And then, and then what's going to happen? He's going to do what Willie Beeman did. He's going to leave. Somehow, by the way, the ending to any given Sunday is really does not work properly because he just takes a player off their roster and is like, he's my new franchise tag player. Doesn't make any sense. But anyway, Nick Foles and Doug Peterson are going to leave. And they're going to go off to pastures new and build another dynasty with them on, on their own. They're going to build it without Carson Wentz. Without Lane Johnson. Where are they going to do this? Where are they going to do this? Oklahoma. What? He's going back to college? Wait, was Nick Foles? Was Nick Foles in Oklahoma? No, but there are no it's NFL an expansion, teams. In it's an expansion team. Did you not? Did you not watch the film? All right. Um, <laughs> what do you think of Nick Foles? He threw a couple interceptions. Nick Foles is what Nick Foles. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's contact uh, contact trunk I'm getting over here. Um, by the way, that glass that you keep drinking, it, it doesn't get lower. I feel like you've got something pouring into it as you keep drinking. It was it was here, and now it's here. So See, that's why I can't drink scotch either. I have to like properly drink something. I can't sip things. Um, oh, I just like to sip it. Nice. You just kind of just one of these. I'm gonna show you how to. I'm gonna show you how to sip scotch. Okay. This is how you do it. I'm going to swirl a little bit. Be sure to cut this one, by the way. This is good information. Swirl a little bit. See the nice little glisten that's got Hold there? On. Wait, wait, one minute. Wait. wait, 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 wait. Let me just mark down 42 minutes. Zach teaches okay. us how to do scotch. Okay. Swirl a little bit. You're going to see those legs on there. You want to smell a little bit as it's coming in. Not a big whiff, but a little bit. So here's my question. Here's you want to make that noise? Man, that's good. Here's my question. How pretentious do you have to be while swirling it? Just a little bit there pretentious is, there, or there, very, no, 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 very no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's make this clear. There is no way to not be pretentious when swirling a glass of anything. It could be fucking Kool-Aid. You will be pretentious. Do you have Buckfast where you are? Buckfat? Buckfat, you don't have it, obviously. It, it's like the really cheap drink that like, the worst, the worst people can drink. I don't know. There's something called like what's it called? There's like one called like black velvet or something like that, or I don't know. There's some really bad whiskey that's like. Oof. <laughs> I'm just imagining someone pouring it into a glass of wine and just sitting on the street going. Really? Oh, you can't do that in America, though. You have to cover that shit up, don't you? Yeah. You can do it in certain. No, you can do it in certain cities. Not can you do it in city, LA. Do it. Yeah, that, that's an important yeah. question for me. Um. Foles looked a lot like Nick Foles, but they somehow won. I don't know how, because he was not... That's, what, that's Nick Foles. That's the Nick Foles experience. He's a winner. Um, first interception. First interception is really interesting, actually, because it's one of the big flaws that's going to happen with the next team that signs Nick Foles. He has never had a big arm. So what Nick Foles is able to do, when you scheme wide open receivers for him, he will consistently loft the ball in front of them and let them run underneath it, which... It's not a high-level skill, but it's also not something every single quarterback does consistently. So it is, it is something that's valuable, I guess. What he doesn't do is throw the ball well into tight windows. So on his first interception, he has a receiver who runs a short curl route. 
he forces the ball out his mechanics aren't set he's reacting to pressure that isn't really there so his feet move a little bit more than they should and he's trying kind of throwing it while he's jumping up in the air jump shots good in basketball and not in football and he leads the ball to his receiver and he throws it into his body into his stomach on his inside when it needs to be thrown fast to his hands away from Roquan Smith, who's arriving on the receiver's inside shoulder. And Smith doesn't undercut it and catch it in front of him and run away with it. He actually, the ball gets to the receiver, but Smith's able to reach in and pull it away. That in itself is bizarre. You never see that. The only reason it happens here is because, one, the placement of the ball is wrong. It's in his chest. It should be out away with it from his hands. Here's why, here's why it happened. Roquan's good. Yeah, he, I'm interested in Roquan watching Roquan because... He's very good in space, and that was never in question at Georgia. He's not very big, yeah. though. And no, he's not big, but I, I just think he's, I think he's so talented in those little moments of just making a play that he just yeah. finds ways to make plays. I watch him. My dad's a huge Georgia Bulldog fan, so I've watched the majority of his college games, and I always just walked away thinking, like, this dude is going to be a monster in the NFL, even though he's not big. Yeah, he's a perfect fit for that defense, though, because that defensive line is going to protect him and keep bodies off him a little bit. When you get a body on him, like most linebackers, when you get a body on him, they're not effective. But it's something that's interesting to watch with him, and it's going to be interesting to watch over the next couple of years. But yeah, I, I, like, I wasn't high on him coming out. I like the other linebackers. The other linebackers have been good, but I've been clearly wrong on him in terms of how good he was going to be in the NFL. Um, hold on, hold on. I've heard that you will not admit when you're wrong, and then you block people on Twitter. I mean... Would you that, care to address? I don't. That's why I blocked them. Um, the ball was also slow. That's why it was coming inside. Folds passes loft and they float a little bit so Smith was literally able to pull in and reach it out and it was a really really impressive play but also something the Falls should have avoided uh, speaking of bad quarterbacking Mitch Trubisky oof yeah oof. actually the the second Falls interception I should probably mention before the bear, beautiful Vic Fangio for people who are looking at Vic Fangio as their next head coach he completely fooled Falls he showed cover two with two safeties back Adrian Amos is on the right whoever is on the left and when the ball is snapped, Adrian Amos sprints from right to left, folds his eyes open to the right, because that's where all his receivers were. He only had one to the left, Alshon Jeffrey. So he stays with his eyes on the right, never realizes that Amos has moved. So when he moves himself into pressure, then awful pocket management. Heaves the ball into the end zone, thinks he's trying to a contested receiver. He's actually throwing the ball straight to Adrian Amos, who runs underneath it and catches it. Meanwhile, Jeffrey's on the backside of the play wide open, because he had one-on-one single coverage. Fangio made an absolute fool out of Foles. Uh, Trubisky, Trubisky basically did what Foles did during the first half, and he was just throwing the ball to defenders, but defenders didn't catch it. Devontae Maddox yeah. undercut a, a deep out where he's late. He's been late on throws all season long. The irony of it is, made a perfect throw at the end of the game, wasn't late, and then Cody Parkey missed the field goal. Well, he hit the post. I don't really count that as a miss, but it's just unlucky. Uh, but he, Devontae Maddox should undercut it and catch it, but he's falling out of bounds because he bobbles it first and doesn't catch it. Second one, he breaks a pocket, looks back across the middle of the field, throws the ball straight to a safety. He drops it as well. Trubisky got extremely lucky, so in a sense, maybe it's kind of poetic justice that they lost the game in the end. Um, yeah, like just watching Trubisky, like it's just clear that he's not comfortable. No, um, he's just not comfortable, which is fine. Like he's a second-year guy. Like I don't new think he too. has to. Ha- yeah, new scheme, second-year guy. Like I don't think he has to have it all figured out. He doesn't have to come in and set the world on fire. And now they're a championship team and all this bullshit. Like he doesn't need to do that. He can have time for it. Uh, but it's just, man, he needs. I like. What do you think it is that he needs? Just more time, more experience, feeling out those situations, or is there a, a schematic thing that can help him more? Well, I love him as a rookie, and I loved him as a rookie because he was really poised, and his footwork was really good, and his throws were he makes. Like you saw it in that final that final throw he made to Robinson, 
where he throws that the ball to the inside. That was a great throw. Oh, my God. Like he, Where he throws the ball to the inside shoulder on the corner, you're not supposed to throw to the inside shoulder, but he recognized the way the coverage was set up. He has to throw to the inside shoulder, so he made it work. It's a perfect throw. There are, like, six quarterbacks in the league who can make that throw. And that's not even hyperbolic. There aren't many guys who can do that. And last year, his ratio of outrageous throws to out- awful misses was, like, 15 to 1. It was perfect. It was right. everything he wanted it to be. This year, it's, like, the opposite. It's inverted. He misses so many throws that he should make. And there are two reasons, I think. One, like I said, when he's late. He is often late. He's often throwing the ball, releasing it at the point where the receiver is already open, where it should already be out. And that leads to more bro- broken up passes. It leads to more receivers going out of bounds. Alan Robinson had one in this game where he stepped on the sideline, stepped on the white because the ball came out late. That's something I expect to get better the more he plays in that scheme. Because obviously you're more comfortable with where receivers are going to be. You're more comfortable with the overall timing. But he's also got mechanical issues where his footwork has just gone from being, hey, I, I can work perfectly under pressure, I'm disciplined, I can plant and deliver the ball against hits, I can move in a pocket if I have to, I can do all this, to I'm throwing the ball while jumping in the air for no reason. I'm throwing the ball while falling backwards for no reason. Do you want to see me throw the ball while my hip's on the ground? It's just ridiculous. None of this makes any sense. That's got to be a yeah. quarterback coach. Quarterback coach has to be sitting there with him going, look at this, why the hell are you doing that? Stop doing that. Let's do the actual throw the ball, let's get this mental repetition in, let's do the reps to get this actually back to where it's supposed to be, and then you'll be really good. And I think, like I said, I expect the timing to get better, I expect his comfort in the scheme to get better, but that's the thing that makes me really concerned. If he doesn't fix that footwork, if he doesn't fix his mechanics, it's going to be problems. And we've seen generally quarterbacks either refine their mechanics a little bit if they have a five percent thing uh if like if 95 of what they do is good and if to fix the five percent they can do that if 45 to 50 percent of it's bad and you've got to fix that generally doesn't happen and if it does happen it regresses all right so let's get into uh the divisional round yep we don't have lines we don't need lines at this time of year we have one line we have one line that's the first game, Colts-Chiefs, on Saturday. It is a six-point line in favor of the Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by six points. So, the Colts, defense is good. Andrew Luck making plays. The Chiefs, pretty much unstoppable most, most games. Pat Mahomes, uh, MVP, all this stuff. How do the Colts beat the Chiefs? Wait, I need to do it this way. I need to do it for you. I, need to do it. I don't think it works for me as well, especially since I don't have to thing covering it but they don't looks like he'll have to be more Andrew Luck than Andrew Good you know what the Chiefs are benefiting from in this matchup Pat Mahomes field advantage The only way the Colts can win this game is if they play like Kansas City. <laughs> that one's bad. Oh, I've got to stop you there. That one's that bad. One, that one did not feel great. <laughs> By the way, uh, also, that's one step away from Kansas City, which is just the obvious joke. So like, that's, that's very I low go for obvious. You. Come on. Yeah, just, because no, it's Kansas is bad. But here, uh, you, you, well, mentioned, you mentioned Andy... Do you know how you get from Kansas City to Kansas Shitty? Usually some hot sauce. Did you get that one? Ah, uh, yes. it took a little bit. Yeah, I didn't one, take huh? a little it's bit. It's me being annoyed at myself for laughing at 
The shame, I feel more shame on this podcast listening to your That's my only goal, is, is to get you to feel shame yeah. for a reaction to something dumb I said. Pe- people are out here trying to make me feel shame for like something I got wrong, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You're on here making awful jokes, and I'm like, why am I laughing at this? By the way, you mentioned uh, Andrew, Andy Locke instead of Andy Good. <laughs> Andy, Andy Good is a, a rugby player who you would you yeah. would absolutely love. Because okay. so rugby in rugby you've got forwards and backs. The so forwards are the big fat lads. The backs are the speedsters. And there's generally players out halves, fly halves, who are basically the quarterbacks. And they're mm-hmm. mostly in great shape, phenomenal athletes, leaders, guys who are first in, last out, captains of the clubs. Andy Good is this big fat dude who would wear really white boots different colors in his hair really long blonde hair and had no interest in doing any like athletic stuff no interest in like leading team or anything like that turned up and said all right i'll do a bit of kick in there i kicked the ball here i kicked the ball there i kicked the ball here but he was phenomenal <laughs> so everyone was like we just have to put up with this dude and it's just it's perfect for you i think so i'm glad you stumbled on that all right um prediction oh yeah this game um the Colts are going to win by 10 points. Pat Mahomes is going to throw four interceptions in this game. Andrew Luck is going to show just how good he is. He's going to whip his Colt out on the table. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Oh, God. He's going to whip his... The Colts aren't horsing around this week. Ah, no. You really went with Bojack. What's wrong? What? What's wrong with Bojack Horseman? There's nothing wrong with Bojack Horseman, but he's very, very depressed. He is depressed. That Bojack. last that last season took a turn. Very dear, really, well, no, though, I mean, ever since like halfway through season two, it's yeah, just been. Uh, yeah, but like it, it's been going down. But it was like, oh, Bojack is really depressing. I can relate to this. And then it went, whoa, what the fuck is Bojack after doing? Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> Bojack's out here like Drake right now, so that's not good. Um, I'm oh my God. taking the Chiefs because. Why would I take the Colts? It's a great question. I mean, that's a great that's great analysis. Why would you take the Colts at Kansas City against the Chiefs? Well, here's the interesting it's part. A gra- of this. It's a great question. Here's the interesting part of this. You know what? The Chiefs are now guaranteed as the number one seed in the AFC. Like arguably the best team in football. Like I think they're the best team in football. You know what? They're guaranteed to play in the AFC Championship if they get there. A team who's already beaten them. That's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Based on your really really excited reaction, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I fucking knew that. Would, I mean, what you throw something interesting at me? I know the Patriots beat him. I know the Chargers beat him. Yeah, I'm not going sawing with you, you asshole. Oh, come on, man! Fifty bucks, and we get to like the sweating. I'm going to show you the website because they're like, I watched a video on that website. Their, their propaganda works. I'm in. <laughs> I love the fact that you know it's propaganda. Absolutely, but I can't help myself. They did such a good job. <laughs> is this it's like, like one a, of these it's like a movie? It's like a movie trailer that puts it into just a fun, a fun song in the movie, and then like, all right, I, this looks like this looks terrible, but you picked a good song. I'm in. Was there someone walking away from an explosion? In the, I mean, that's that. It's gonna be an explosion of sweat. <laughs> wait, wait, is this one of these places that does the freezing as well? Oh, I don't know, but that's a nice little. Some people like alternating hot and cold. 
see, here's the thing. If you had suggested this in Miami, I'd be like, nope. In Los Angeles, it sounds very, very Los Angeles. Yeah, and it's very, yeah, it's fine. Like, you can do this. We're going to do this. I'm doing it, so you want to join. Sign <laughs> up. I'll see what mood I'm in at that, at that point of the week. It probably won't be a good one. <laughs> okay, so you're taking Chiefs. I'm going to take Colts. Yeah, by the way, um, I noted down the point of this podcast. I'm absolutely calling up all that Chief stuff that you just said and sending it to a bunch of Chiefs fans. So you can go fight it. Fight them. Well, hey, I don't give a shit about those hicks. Send that to them, too. <laughs> Hick-ass Kansas City Chiefs fans. Oh, we're the loudest. Oh, we set a decimal record. Losers, get out of here. Win the championship. You're still going to be Kansas City Chiefs fans. <laughs> you rescued Boogie from there. Yeah, exactly. Got him the hell out of there. Wait, how did you know Boogie was a Rams fan? Uh, I asked him. I don't know. He's not. He doesn't give a shit about football. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, let's move on to the next game already. He cares about going to the coffee shop and have people scratch him on the head. That's what he cares about. I mean, don't we all? So whatever, whatever football team is that. All right. Uh, also Saturday, Cowboys at the Rams. There will be more Cowboys fans than Rams fans in that stadium because there are always more visiting team fans than Rams fans in that stadium. But still home court advantage for this Rams team, home field advantage for this Rams team. And uh, they should win this game. I mean, do we really care? Neither of us are going to be watching this game. I'll watch the first hour. Yeah. All right. I think the Cowboys are going to win. And... I think a big key to this is... But I think you've undersold the Rams all season long. That's why I don't... I, I don't accept this uh, this pick by you or this analysis that's about to happen because you have undersold this Rams team and this Rams team's really fucking good. And they've all oversold the Cowboys all year too. And you've, yeah, you have. And here's, so here's the thing, is that... This is what I'll say about the Rams. Is that, for the most part, when they need to make a play defensively in the fourth quarter of a tight game, they do it. They're very, like they're very opportunistic. I don't think the defense has been nearly as good as it should be, and some of that is injuries, and some of that is they're just playing like shit. But for the most part, they make plays in tight games. I, and I think if this is a tight game, the Cowboys will make mistakes, and the Rams will capitalize on it. Here's my argument. Suck it. That's some analysis right there. That's not my argument. Here's my argument. <laughs> You're really dancing right now. <laughs> That scotch is taking effect. <laughs> Lock it. There you go. It's all gone now. Pants are coming off. Um, I think... Stand soon, by the way. Huh? Watch is going to tell me to stand soon. Yeah, it's been nearly an hour. It's like, you must have stood right before this podcast started. I was standing right before this podcast. I got Here's the thing. I got 11 of my 12 hours done for standing. You got to stand so, 12 hours a day? No you, have to, no, you have to stand a minute every hour for 12 hours a day. Yeah. So you have to stand one minute in 12 hours in a day, 12 different hours in a day, and then it gives you your little goal thing. So I only got one left. I'm standing a lot today. I wonder if I actually just do that without even realizing. I wonder if I if I checked it, how often I was actually standing. During the season, never. That's, that's not happening. Never, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty, so I'm not close on my – here, this will be more interesting than what you got to say. Uh, I'm not close – on my calorie burning, I still have like 240 calories to burn, uh, so I gotta I gotta get going on that. But I only have three minutes of exercise left, so that's exciting. I'm about to close all three of these rings if I can get a little calorie burn. How are you not close in your calorie burn, but you've only got three minutes of exercise left? What were you doing with that exercise? Because I was walking, because it counts walking as exercise. So like I walked around the neighborhood with Boogie, and I counted as exercise. With Boogie, I'm sure. I assume you mean dragging Boogie. 
No, he's pretty good. He, uh, I have to drag him to get him away from the coffee shop because he really likes being there. But other than that, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's addicted to coffee. <laughs> like most people in LA, I assume. Um, I think the reason the Cowboys can win this game is a variety of reasons, really. I think Amari Cooper is going to be really good if they actually open up the offense and throw to him. I don't think the Rams front is going to be able to handle Ezekiel Elliott. But most importantly, to Marcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory, I'm coming back to them, same from the Seahawks game. They're not going to be fooled as often on these play fakes where the bootleg play fakes to get Goff out, out of the pocket. And that's a massive key to their to their offense. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but by the way, how happy are the Rams right now that the Bears got knocked out? Because they did not want to see that defense. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I still would have picked them against the Bears, but they definitely didn't want to see that, be, that defense again. Like, even though the Eagles already beat them, I, I would be confident in the Rams beating. I, I would be more confident than I was saying confident right there in the Rams beating, or beating the Eagles again if they come back to the... It would be, yeah, it would be in Los Angeles, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Week, this week. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys because um, I don't really give a damn about what you think. So, yeah. Todd Gurley has had a couple of weeks off. I think he'll be healthy. That's big. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. That's just the name Rams players. I th- I know. I think I actually think they'll also use Gerald Everett quite a bit in the passing game. I think he's going to have a big game. Well, the interesting thing about that is, like, the, the Cowboys are the team with kind of the most athletic, <laughs> most athletic linebackers in the league. I think it's just chapstick on these lips. Maybe not the Scott's most. Them out a bit. Maybe not the most athletic linebackers, but their linebackers are very comfortable in space. And Leighton Van Der Esch has been really, really good this year. That's another one. Like, defensive front players are difficult for me to evaluate anyway. But that's another one I completely missed on. He is outstanding, Leighton Van Der Esch. He's a guy they shouldn't be taking off the field at all at this point, and he's proven his, his worth over the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, I, I just feel like they, they're able they're going to be able to match up to everything the Rams do on offense. The question mark is on the other side of the ball, and it always is with the Cowboys. <laughs> I like the way you brought that in really, really slowly, like Chris Collins are sliding in from the left. So far, we're halfway through next weekend with these picks. And we're having a real swingers party because we're picking different people to dance with. I've got the Colts and the Rams. You've got the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Let's move on to Sunday. Chargers at Patriots. I'm just glad you didn't say we're halfway through this podcast. Oh, God. I'll kill myself (laughs) in the sexiest way possible if we're only halfway through this podcast. Why is the sexiest way possible to kill yourself? I don't know. I would guess like... uh, like uh, autoerotic asphyxiation, right? Yeah. Is that the sexiest way? Is it I sexy that, to choke yourself that, out while you're masturbating? I think that's just the closest thing to having sex while doing. Or it actually is having sex while doing. I'm not talking about that. I'm not like, you know, what's the sexy way to die is, um, what's the, oh, what's the dude's name? Lipstick on to get hit by a bus? No, what's the, <laughs> what's the do? evil because evil, going off a ramp and going to blaze of fire. That's, that's the sexy way of doing that's not sexy. It's completely pointless, but it's sexy. We're just... Uh, I'm taking the Chargers because I don't think the Patriots are good. And Joey Bosa yeah, and Melvin Ingram are going to be on Tom Brady's face. So. Yeah, I think uh, I've been in with um, I've been in with this Chargers team all year. I tried to convince you. You wouldn't listen. Uh, you did pick them at one point to win the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, but it was too late. Uh, this Chargers team, I, I like them against the Patriots, which it's still... Maybe you can address this. It feels 
dumb that everything we've watched with the Patriots this year, everything we watched Tom Brady as he's clearly slipping and missing quite quite a few steps. Uh, I'm still super nervous about them, and that I think that they can make that look real dumb. So why like why why am I being nostalgic and dumb here? Because it's like playing LeBron on a terrible Cavs team. You still know that LeBron's there. And by LeBron, I mean Belichick. I don't mean Brady. Um, but hold on a second. Last week, amongst the numerous ridiculous things we talked about, one of them was, what about Last that... I picked the Chargers to win. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm going to. Last week, one of the things we talked about was, you know what's really dumb in sports? When someone comes back to you and says, you know what I picked last week? Or you know what I picked at the start of the year and stuck with it? I was really proud about it. Welcome. You're that guy. Congratulations. I'm applauding you. I'm going to applaud you right now. Well done. Good job. I pick them every week. I don't know if that's true, but I definitely picked them last week. And I'm glad that you're finally on board with the Chargers charging ahead. They're, as I said on Twitter, their offense is really starting to bloom against these tough defenses. It's like they're at a botanical garden. That one didn't get enough retweets, did it? You have to use it here to try and get more. Oh, it, got some, it, got, it, got some, it got some play. It got some traction. Um, uh, what is the key to this Chargers-Patriots game? Uh, you know the weird thing is I do think the Ravens are actually going to be a worse matchup for them for the Patriots and the Chargers because they have no chance of stopping that running game uh, but the other thing is the Chargers have a pretty good running game Melvin Gordon is pretty damn good when he's healthy and the Ravens defensive front yeah the Ravens defensive front can contain them but that's because the Ravens are phenomenal too the I, think, I, I know he's a broke, I know he's a broken down Buffalo but can Rob Gronkowski have a big game Broken down Buffalo is a great way. To he's like a buff. He's you like know, a you know buffalo, like this muffler. I don't, you know why I love this? Because I bet you don't know where he's from. From Buffalo. Yeah. Ah, oh, you did know. Damn, I was hoping you didn't know, and you were just gone coincidence. Oh, I did the it. fucking math. How? Where else would he have been from when you said that? No. You know where from. Oh, so you ruined the bit. You ruined it. I didn't. I ruined the bit. Yes. You're supposed to play along. You know that. Amateur. Um. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amateur, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that, that sums up this podcast better than anything. We get mad at each other for fucking up the other's joke, and then we call, you call me an amateur, and you don't know how to get to the next topic. Um, I do think the key is going to be them keeping oh. Melvin Ingram and... Oh, I get the split my slide now. Um, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, whoever else plays there in the front seven, and stopping him from getting onto Brady, because they could really shut that offense down. But the other kind of big thing is Philip Rivers had an okay game today. It wasn't necessarily a good game. And you still see with him, those passes aren't really flying through the air comfortably. You still see with him, he's going to float those balls. And if JC Jackson, who has impressed me a lot in the Patriots secondary, and Devin McCarty is there, uh, Jason McCarty, his brother is, all, they have ball skills. So like they may not be great defensive backs, but they I can find the football if he puts it up for grabs. And that would be your kind of biggest concern if you're a Charger fan. All right, Eagles Saints, let's round out this weekend. Uh, how do the Eagles beat the Saints? At home, at Saints, at New Orleans. The Saints are going to obliterate them. Let's not waste any more time. You just picked Nick Foles to win. Shh. That's my response. That's what you get. The Saints are about to be the Aints because they ain't winning this game. Nick Foles, big Nick energy. Eagles flying high. Philly fans eating shit in a good way again. 
I feel like that's how we should end. I don't. I don't. I, I don't believe any of that. The, the Saints are going to. No, no, no. I got to cut that. I'm no, no. the podcast right there. That's the end of the podcast. I'm going to end the podcast right there. Well, you should. You still have to do top three, middle three, bottom three. Yeah, we're gonna do top three, middle three, bottom three. Uh, and we're gonna do that of the remaining playoff teams. Wait, we're gonna wait, do top I'm... three, middle three, bottom three of the remaining eight playoff teams. So you lo- figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, the Ravens just a little. <laughs> I love. I love the way you say your surprise at the podcast is nearly over. We've been going for an hour and eight minutes. Jesus Christ! And I got I got a lot of work to do. I do not have time to do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's over now for the week. This microphone gets the sultry tones whenever it. Whenever it gets, gets over here. Down here, I'll talk however. Right here, though. This is baby-making analysis. You would do a podcast for like six hours if you could do it like that, wouldn't you? If I could just talk like this? Actually, you already do podcasts that are basically six hours. They all run into Man, I do. I talk a lot. And you know what's funny? So, so I, did a, I did a shitty IG Live uh, yesterday. Someone asked me, they're like, have you always had the gift of gab? Which I thought was a funny way of putting it. Um, and the thing is, no, I don't, I never had it. I'm very, I'm a very shy person. Uh, but despite being a shy person, I talk a fucking lot for a living considering how much I don't like talking. So kids, you too can learn how to be this annoying. If you're not this annoying right now, nobody can be this annoying. Except you last week on the podcast where your bit was. I'm Yo, standing was, up. Hold on. Hold Did you on. listen to it back? I haven't listened back yet. I, I downloaded it. Um, the more I saw those clips, though, I feel like I killed it. I did a great job. I feel like I'm a good producer. <laughs> Maybe I should just hold a microphone all the time now. Actually, the thing the thing that scares me is we got more positive responses to that podcast than any other podcast we've That's done. That's scary. That shows you exactly where our audience is. <laughs> they oh. clearly don't give a shit about any of the analysis you're saying, and they just want <laughs> chaos. <laughs> To be fair, that's what they're getting either way. We don't even try to That's true. Yeah, they, that's, they don't have a choice. So. Right. <laughs> oh, go sit in your bag in your sauna. Oh, man, I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm going to sweat my dick off. I cannot wait for that. Mm-hmm.